as we make our way back to our chairs, I just have a... This morning, friends, I want the entire message to be part of uh, the Lord's table, part of our communion uh, gathering. We're going to share some passages from the Word of God to get our hearts and minds thinking about uh, what Jesus has done for us and what he has called us to do and to remember. And then we're going to have a brief uh, uh, music video, a time of reflection, because what I've found with these uh, wonderfully handy little fellowship cups is that uh, it goes by so quick that I, I find that I'm missing something during our communion time that the time that normally took place where the uh, ushers would pass out the elements and the trays would go by, that was my prayer and meditation and reflection time. And with these, we kind of miss that, I, I find. And so that's what the, uh, the, uh, the little uh, music uh, vignette will be a little bit later, the wonderful Stephen Curtis Chapman song, How Love Wins. As that song rolls, I just encourage you to take the elements in your hand and reflect upon the cup and the bread at that time. Well, you've had enough time to see uh, grandparents' pictures of kids. These are just random children I picked off the internet. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, uh, it's first days of school. Maybe not the very first day of school, but some of them are. Is that Isaiah's very first day? Or is that first grade maybe? Yeah, it's a, it's an early one. It's an early one. Even my wife was going through our old pictures looking for first days of school because we received digitally, which is so nice and handy, uh, from our oldest son in Calgary that it was his daughter, Helena, her first day of kindergarten. How time goes by so quickly. And they had that wonderful little frame waiting for her at the school for all the kids to to remember their first day of kindergarten. And I look at those, and we throw in some other first days of school. I think that's Charlie's play school. That's really early. And uh, it always reminds me when I see that picture of Charlie to pray for teachers. You know, pray for them. And <laughs> no reason, just pray for them. And there's Isaiah and Lila, and I'll always remember those crazy face masks in those difficult COVID years, will remember so much. I love that picture of little Isaiah because he's going into junior high and he's a tall, good-looking man now. But there he is, a little boy with a backpack bigger than him, you know? And he looks like Pilgrim from Pilgrim's Progress with his sin on his back, you know? It's, it's, it's wonderful to see those. And why do I show you these? <laughs> because these are the best kids in the world. But secondarily... I just want you to think about that, why we take those photos. And while we're blessed to live in a time technologically that we can do that and it refreshes our memories. Oh, just take the time. Go home. If you think about it today, take out an old photo album, look through it, and remember. I wasn't going to do this, but yesterday we had lunch with the Adrian family, just a time of fellowship and good food, but also a time of remembering as we showed the wonderful, uh, the wonderful video that Corey Carey put together for the family. If you were at Deer Valley Meadows, you saw that. There were wonderful pictures, and there was a background of Bert singing. You know, he was the bass in Potter's Clay, but when he sang a whole song solo, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful time. And looking at those pictures of him in his younger days, just remembering days gone by, that is precious and it's special and it's important that we remember. Why do we take these photos? So we don't forget.
And that's what Jesus gave us the Lord's table for. It is before photos were a thing, it is something that you can do to aid you in remembering. I've called today's message, uh, it's, it's about memory. And memory is important because God's word calls us always to remember what God has done for us. Deuteronomy, which means the second law, Deutero is second and, uh, and nomos is law. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God reminds his people, the children of Israel, a nation set apart for his purpose to remember He says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His law, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Be careful you do not forget the Lord your God. And God gave them things to do, photographs in a sense, actions that would imprint on your heart and your mind. This young Israeli soldier, we see him during one of the three prayer times that observant Jews do each day. And they apply a long band to their arm, a phylactery to their forehead, which contains the Shema, the word of God. And they do this so that they don't forget God. Don't forget It's important. And yet in the hustle and bustle of life, I find that we often take our relationship with God for granted. It's part of the the soundtrack, the background of our lives, but it's often not at the forefront of what we do or what we're thinking about. And it often should be. It would change the way we live our lives. So I've called today's message, Please Remember. Please Remember. Remember, There's a number of things I'm going to encourage you to remember today. We'll go through them fairly quickly before we come to the elements of the Lord's table themselves. But the first is that it's dangerous to forget. Remember the danger of forgetting. Just coming through a series of messages on the seasons of life and we're entering into the season of autumn and of fall and this evocative picture of forgetting as if you're a beautiful tree, but that part of your life that's your mind, it, it, it blows away and is lost. And I think about people who, who are experiencing forgetfulness and dementia as one of the struggles of our advanced years, how heartbreaking that can be because you may forget some of the, the hard things, but you're also forgetting those precious things as well. And God encourages you and I not to forget who he is and his love for us and what his love has called him to do for us. In just a couple of weeks, I begin a series of messages I've been looking forward to for some time. This past May, I had the opportunity to lead a group of students uh, with uh, my, my friend, their, their professor, Dr. Ralph Corner. We led them on a tour of the archaeological sites of the seven churches that Jesus wrote to in the book of Revelation. They're all in the Anatolian Peninsula and the modern-day country of Turkey. But the first of those letters was to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus, which you'll see in many of the pictures in the weeks ahead, beautiful archaeological ruins that give us an idea of the city that the Apostle Paul founded a church. The Apostle John grew a church all in the city of Ephesus. But Jesus, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, as we'll see again in two weeks, Jesus 
warns them of the danger of forgetting. He said, after encouraging them on their biblical fidelity and the fact that they hold on to biblical truth, he said this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In chapter 1 of Revelation, we see Jesus, a vision of him walking among the seven churches, which are symbolized by seven lampstands. And Jesus is saying they're in danger of forgetting their God who loves them. That though they hang on to biblical truths, their hearts have grown cold and they have lost that passion for Christ, that wonder at what he has done for us and the love that should motivate every area of our lives. It's dangerous, Jesus says, because if that's the direction the church is going, he's going to remove his hand of of blessing and the church won't be there. And let me tell you, I've been to the town of Ephesus a number of times and, and the church isn't there anymore. We see it's lost in the pages of history, the danger of forgetting. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 17 to the people of God, verse 10, You have forgotten God, your Savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. Therefore, though you set out the finest plants and plant imported vines, though on the day you set them out, you make them grow, and on the morning when you plant them, you bring them to bud, yet the harvest will be as nothing in the day of disease and incurable pain the prophets warning God's people that if you forget God, your life, especially your spiritual life, will not amount to anything. You won't be fruitful. There won't be a generation of faith believing behind you. Though it starts out well, if you forget your God, it will not finish well. The danger of forgetting. What are we to remember? Well, just a number of things to touch on briefly. Please remember Jesus love for us. Remember it. Dwell upon it. Think about it. Cherish it. Jesus' love for us. The Apostle Paul says if you dwell on the love of God and and it fills you and you think about it, the fullness of God will fill your heart. The love of Jesus we know is shown as we come to the Lord's table in his death on the cross for us. In fact, it's just a little verse so easy to skip over, but I often point it out, John chapter 13, verse 1. It's setting the stage for Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And it refers to that in part, but the full extent of his love was shown on the cross of Calvary. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He had a servant's heart. He washed their feet. He took their sins upon himself, the sinless lamb of God, and he paid the price of their sins and yours on the cross. 
Oh, the love of Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, speaking of that, in his prayer for the Ephesian church, and it's interesting, this is the Apostle Paul praying for the Ephesians. Later, during the time of the Apostle John, who came decades after Paul, through John, Jesus writes, you're forgetting your first love. This is almost hinted at that Paul, when he prays for these believing people, oh, they're strong believers, but they're a little weaker in the love area. So his prayer for them is this in Ephesians chapter 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To know the love of God is to know God, for God is love. And to know it fully is to be filled with God. To be filled with God is to know his love. And I believe that's something that while remembering the letter on the page, the heart behind it was lost on the Ephesians. And that church is lost to us now in history. What did the love of Jesus, as we reflect on it, cause him to do? At the communion table, we remember his body and his blood that was shed for us. His love for you is what held him on the cross, not the nails that the Roman soldiers drove through his flesh. It was his love for you that kept him there until he breathed his last. So please remember Jesus' suffering. It's one thing that we Protestants have to admit, that Catholics, they do much better than we do. They reflect on the suffering of Christ, whether they're praying through a rosary or whether they're reflecting upon the stations of the cross. The stations of the cross, years ago, I saw a number of wooden plaques that once hung in a Catholic church depicting Jesus' suffering on his way to the cross of Calvary. I saw them because they were carved by my wife's grandfather, Enoch Haglin. He was a gifted artist and made these for the local church. And those of you who come from that background or have reflected upon the Stations of the Cross or perhaps have walked on the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem and you stop and reflect on Jesus' suffering for us, oftentimes we skip over it. We're in a hurry to get to Easter. We don't even like to see a cross depicted with the suffering Jesus on it. We think, well, that's a Catholic thing. The reason it's a Catholic thing is that they don't forget And don't gloss over the suffering of Jesus. I'm not one of those pastors that will do a forensic message that I heard when I was a boy in a fundamentalist church in Oklahoma where we talk about all of the gruesome detail. It's there in God's book for you to read. But it's his love that was shown to us, his endurance of the suffering and the pain, which was extraordinary. Because the Romans who put Jesus to death were experts in inflicting pain and the most humiliating type of torturous death on criminals. It's no accident that in God's plan, this is what Jesus went through for us. 
The book of Hebrews tells us, and it's a passage I often refer us to, Hebrews chapter 12, tells you that when you are weary and people are opposing you because of your belief in Jesus or you stand for an issue because you believe what God's word teaches, they say reflect on the opposition from sinful men that Jesus went through. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter uh, 12, beginning in verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, that's where you come in, the joy set before Jesus was winning your salvation and having you home with him one day for eternity in heaven, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, I would put in, remember him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The teaching is clear, but how does it cause us not to grow weary and to lose heart by reflecting upon Jesus' suffering on our behalf? An author that I've enjoyed his books, many published by InterVarsity Press, is Peter Kreeft. I have a quote from Peter Kreeft. He says this, Christ transforms the meaning and value of suffering from something to be feared or at best endured into something redemptive and transformative. That's powerful. Peter Kreeft is an evangelical Catholic author. I had to look long and hard. He's a teacher of philosophy and theology at Boston University during his career. Wrote many books on C.S. Lewis and wonderful teachings reflecting on the place of suffering. He falls in line with, I don't have a quote to display, but we all know as evangelicals, we love the story of Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tata. Paralyzed at a young age, quadriplegic, suffered so much in her life. And yet, when it comes to suffering, she once said that suffering is God's greatest tool for molding his followers into the image of Jesus. (laughs) When we reflect on the suffering of Jesus and we walk in his steps in opposition to a sinful world, we become more like him. If you're suffering emotionally, relationally, physically, dwell, think about that. How can God use that to bring you through it, not just to endure it? Because I always thought that was about the best I could do, endure it with a smile. But no, not just endure it, but let it transform you to be more like Jesus. I found that the senior saints that I've always been blessed by and looked up to have a story of suffering in their lives that God used to make them gentler, humbler, more Christ-like individuals. Not something to be feared or at best endured, but something redemptive and transformative. There is truth in that statement. So as we remember the love of Jesus and we don't forget the suffering of Christ, the good news doesn't end on Good Friday. Good Friday wouldn't be good without Easter Sunday. So even as we come to the Lord's table, we never, never forget 
the resurrection. We live in the light of the resurrection. So please remember Jesus' victory over death. (laughs) Jesus' victory over death. He has won. The Apostle Paul says, the risen Lord, his resurrection, his victory over sin and death is the heart of the gospel. Now gospel, we just sort of think of that as John 3.16. It all is kind of together in our minds, but we have to remember the meaning of the word. The Greek word evangelion is translated gospel, which is the old English word. It means good news because that's the literal meaning. Paul says this is the heart of the good news, Jesus' resurrection. He says that in his second letter to Timothy in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul tells us to remember. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. (laughs) The resurrection is Paul's good news. For which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Paul has good news even in the midst of suffering because human chains can't hold back the good news of God which will set a sinful heart free. Jesus' victory over death. Because that victory over death becomes your victory through faith in Christ as we reflect on our faith in Jesus at the communion table. We reflect that his resurrection has now become our resurrection His crucifixion is your crucifixion, your death to sin. And through faith, his resurrection is your resurrection to new life. Paul says that clearly in his chapter, Romans 6, as he reflects on the meaning of baptism to be buried into Jesus. Paul says in Romans 6, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Resurrection to new life. Never forget it. Finally, holding all of these truths in our hearts, we come to the communion table. Jesus says, Don't forget, please remember to do this in remembrance of me. It's carved on the front of the communion table. One day that table will be sitting out here in the the center. Lord willing, it'll be here soon. Do this in remembrance of me. In Luke's beautiful story of the Last Supper, he says in verse 19 of Luke 22, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's Jesus' gift to you that you never, never forget. So friends, at this time, I'd invite you to take your elements in hand, Just hold on to it for now. Don't open it just yet. And as we reflect on what Christ has done, Scripture tells us to commit our hearts to the Lord. Don't partake of the elements in an unworthy manner. These elements are available all here. We practice open communion. It's for everybody who knows Jesus 
as their Lord and their Savior. But let's we let the music play. Let's prayerfully remember together. Oh my 
As we take our elements in hand and peel back, remove the wafer, which is the symbol of the bread and body of Christ, I remind us what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
as we take our wafer in hand, Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we peel back the foil layer to reveal the cup. After supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Friends, let's stand together, be dismissed with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus' great love for us, that he showed us the full extent of his love, the truth of his words, that greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Lord, thank you that through faith in Christ that we who were lost and blind, undeserving of grace, we're counted not only as friends, but through faith in Jesus, adopted into your very family. Lord, thank you for that amazing grace. Lord, as the song reflected from the point of view of the thief on the cross, Lord, it's never too late where there's life. It's never too late. We can turn our hearts to you repent of our selfishness and that sinful way of life to let it go and lay it at the foot of your cross. Lord, thank you for Jesus. May we live our lives of people remembering day by day and may reflecting on Christ, Lord, help and guide us as we seek to be his agents of love in this hurting world. Dismiss us now from this place of worship to our place of mission. Send us out to be your salt and light. We pray all of this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. God bless.